Untie the boat, let the wind blow you where the wind blows. Note by note, let the cords unravel, let the corpse travel on its course. Note by note, time will sow you across the fields of endless force. Now you're on your way in the sacred Welcome to Enhanced Therapy Podcast. This is a podcast about MDMA-assisted therapy. My name is Derek Davda. About a month ago, I recorded a podcast, a brief introductory podcast about MDMA-assisted therapy, and I got a very sweet response from you. So encouraged by that response, I'm going to try to record another brief podcast with a few ideas related to the concept of integration. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm just going to talk about a few concepts that I think are important and central to the understanding of the concept of integration. A couple of brief comments, one about the podcast. If you enjoyed the content, please, please share it with your friends. And uh, yeah, if you have it in you, leave a leave a comment, another just a remark on the fact that MDMA-assisted therapy is not legal. MDMA is not legal. MDMA-assisted therapy is still not available. It might be available in 2024, maybe, uh, medically available. So this podcast doesn't contain any medical advice. I'm definitely not encouraging anybody to use MDMA or improvise with MDMA-assisted therapy. There are some risks involved. Also, there might be an issue of tolerance that develops over time, and so you might not have too many chances with these drugs to have these powerful benefits. Now, when it comes to the concept of integration, integration is pretty much everything. MDMA-assisted therapy is all about integration. This therapy is quite novel in a way that it combines both the drug and the therapy in one. And that's a very, very important concept in itself. And it's really related to the concept of integration. There are two different schools right now. People who are more on the pharma kind of side of things are trying to or use psychedelics or create no, novel psychedelics that can be used just like the drugs that are being used right now in psychiatry. Essentially, you take your drug and it does its thing on its own. That sort of uh, way of using psychedelics, of course, is potentially beneficial from the financial point of view for pharmaceutical companies. But... What the research shows and what many people in the field will argue, and definitely I will, I'm on that side of things, is that the true benefits of these drugs come from using them in a therapeutic context. So it's the combination of the drugs and the therapy. In a way, therapy is being considered primary here, and the medication the drug is considered to be the enhancer of therapy, the catalyst for change. is the agent that makes therapy powerful. 
and effective. That's a very, very important distinction to make. And that's why uh, using these drugs outside of therapeutic context, like you might have a good time, but it might be a waste of the great potential that these drugs have, it can actually lead to harm. And the harm can come from different directions, from the drug not being pure, from uh, wrong dosages, and definitely from using the drug in the wrong context. These drugs are quite mind-altering. MDMA is an altered state of consciousness. And uh, essentially, you need to be both in the right mindset. You have to be ready to use these drugs and you have to find yourself in the right situation. You have to be safe. You have to be with the right people. You have to be in the right place. So all this is very important. The issue here is that it is an altered state. So during your dosing session, so in case of MDMA, you will be feeling very open socially, open to other people, you'll be feeling very loving and accepting usually you will feel good but you don't have to feel good you can have you can feel quite sad and you can connect with difficult feelings as well and that's a very important part of the therapeutic process the whole idea with this therapy is to connect with yourself as you are to bring forth those parts of you that are normally you avoid or you wish that they weren't there. But to become a whole person, to become healthy and strong and capable of, of true, honest, authentic relations, you have to be connected with yourself. And the disconnection and the inner battles that we have with ourselves, the inner, our inner critic and how the critic wants to outcast some parts, how we attack ourselves, how we abuse ourselves through harsh judgment. This all takes away from the quality of your life and definitely from the quality of your relationships. There will be a lot of consequences for how you relate to others if you don't accept, if you're not connected with yourself and you don't accept yourself as you are. So the concept of connecting with yourself, with all parts of yourself, with all aspects, all modes of your being, good or bad, painful or wonderful, is key for, for this therapy, key for any therapy, any really good therapy. Any therapy that tries to cut parts of you out and engineer you into a different human being than you are is a losing game, I would argue. So during your MDMA trip, you will feel very open you will connect with, with yourself, you will connect with others, you are very accepting, that's a very, another uh, aspect of it, that you, you're very accepting, you're actually able to listen to another better than you normally do, and you can hear them, and you can see them for who they are, and you can accept who they are. And the same happens with yourself, you can actually, in the right therapeutic context, hear who you are, see who you are, see how you've been neglecting parts of yourself that actually often require your attention more than, than any other parts.
the cliché child that needs love and was neglected, not seen the child that, that the pressures that were put on that child to be in a certain way that was not compatible who that child was naturally. That part is there in you, in you. It's, it's, it's there in all of us. And often we cut that part out because it's too painful. Too painful to be present, to be connected. We don't make those choices on purpose. Our bodies, our minds make those choices automatically because our minds are designed to protect us from pain and discomfort. Now you find yourself in this experience, this experience of openness to yourself as you are, this experience of openness to others as they are, is the kind of experience that you've probably never had before. And then what happens? After the dosing session, your chemistry starts normalizing gradually. So what happens then when you return to normal? Gradually, you return to your normal state. That's where the concept of integration comes in. The idea of integration is that you take what you have learned during your dosing session and integrate it to your everyday life. So the idea of MDMA-assisted therapy is not so much the experience itself, although the, the, that's the key part of the whole thing, but the, even more important than the experience itself is to bring the gifts of the experience into your everyday life and implement it into your life, incorporate it into your life, integrate it into your life to make your life better. In the case of MDMA-assisted therapy, is to make you better able to relate to yourself and others, which is a parallel process. The way you relate to yourself is the way you relate to others usually. If you are able to be empathic towards yourself and compassionate towards yourself, you're able to be accepting of yourself. You will be able to be accepting of others as they are. As they are, that's the key point. Not just those parts that you love and you admire and you agree with, but just completely as they are. Now, people get confused about the concept of acceptance, self-acceptance and acceptance of others. Some people will say, oh, you know, some people have horrible impulses, you know. What about pedophiles? How are these guys supposed to accept themselves for how they are? Well, here's how. The idea is that your inner life, your emotions, your entire inner life, you don't really have control over that. You sort of have an indirect control. You, you can change yourself. You can re-engineer yourself in smart ways by doing this and that and living your life in certain ways, but you don't have a direct control over your desires, impulses, over your traumas and how your trauma is structured within you. So that's why your inner life, the goal, the point here, ideally you would just completely accept it, no matter what. The worst parts of you accept it, get to know them. So you don't apply control to your inner life, you apply curiosity, you move towards yourself and you accept it. And then you can sort of work with it. You can work with that inner landscape, you can work with that inner journey of yours, this complex inner journey of yours. Religious traditions, I uh, 
I was, I was raised in a Catholic tradition. The trick that the Catholic Church has done was to internalize guilt. So now you don't need the external judge. You don't have to be just scared of being caught. You're already caught. You catch yourself and you notice all the, all the things about you that are not so good internally. And then you beat yourself up for it. It starts with little judgments and soon it will become a global feeling of shame about who you are. Now, if we go back to the idea of accepting your inner life, that's going directly against that kind of way of social engineering. That we practice, really, we do practice that all the time. We are extremely judgmental towards each other often. Some people more than others, all that. You know, you can catch that everywhere. It's a way of elevating yourself, putting others down. You know, there's, again, there's so much to talk about here. But then the idea is that you apply all your control to your actions. You might feel like doing this, but guess what? You live in the world and you have to have a respect for the rules of that world. You have to have respect for other people. And there are some things you won't be able to do. So if you apply all your control to your actions and all your acceptance to your inner life, that's the best prescription for a good life. You know, you won't get yourself in trouble and you won't be going around and harming people because then you will have really good reasons to feel guilty. Because if you go around and harm people and do shitty things, then you should feel shitty about yourself. I mean, that's what guilt is for. Guilt is a good feeling. It is supposed to teach you not to do it again. Guilt, you take it, you change your ways. That's the idea. But when you have a lack of inner acceptance of who you are, then the little bit of guilt can turn into an ocean of shame. Then suddenly you're feeling like you're a worthless person. But to go back to the concept of integration, how do we bring this experience that you have during the dosing session and how do you incorporate it into your everyday life? Well, number one is to be clear that that's the goal. That is the way of setting intention. And then there's very specific things that we can do. It's a process and everybody has a different process and it's not completely predictable. And we don't know what's going to happen. It might be up and down and it might be very difficult. It might be, you might connect with some very difficult trauma and you might get destabilized after, after your session. It might actually, that might not, actually not feel that you're making progress. It might feel like you actually regressing because now you have all these feelings raw and open and a little bit out of control possibly. You know, if you're highly traumatized and you get in touch with your trauma for the first time. So, it's not a straightforward, simple process, but the idea is simple. The idea is that there will be gifts during this experience and that those gifts, the idea is to incorporate those gifts, those experiences, those perspectives, those new ways of being, new ways of being yourself into your everyday life. Maybe before I talk about the specifics, the different things that need to be done to, to, to make this experience optimal. Maybe we could go back to Gould Dolan's theory of reopening of the critical period for social bonding. Gould, she has discovered that MDMA opens up a critical period for, she calls it social reward learning, which is essentially social bonding, which is a, 
a critical period for learning how to relate. So what is a critical period? A critical period is a period of malleability, of, of neuroplasticity, where your, your brain is flexible in learning new patterns. It's a period of openness. You open the window to the outside world and the wind blows. And now you're subjected to that wind and to the currents of that wind. It's like being more malleable. In other words, in MDMA-assisted therapy, we use it for, to create corrective experiences. MDMA-assisted therapy will initially be approved for trauma. What happens in trauma, as we've discussed in the past, is that in the traumatic context, whether it's abuse or neglect, uh, you know, whether it's one time or repeated relational pattern that is not very healthy, we develop ways of adapting to that, of adapting to, to those relationships. When you're a child and you have a parent or parents that are not available, you try to do your best to adapt to that. So you develop things like mistrust towards others. Because if parents don't behave in trustworthy ways, in consistent ways, in ways that are responsive to your needs, in ways that are responsive to who you are, in ways that are accepting of who you are, then you will naturally develop mistrust towards others. That's the way to go. Why would you trust? The truth is that lots of people are untrustworthy because they are all traumatized. Everybody is traumatized in their own way. And there hasn't been like huge amounts of great parenting in the recent history, you know. So then you carry those patterns forward. And then in your future relationships, that's, that's who you are. That's what you become. These are the patterns that you bring into relationships. And that's what screws those relationships up. And then you suffer. You suffer rejection and isolation and you suffer disconnection. You're disconnected from yourself and you, through your actions, you make others disconnect from you because they see that you're not the material for relationships. Put two people like this together and it's a big mess. There's a lot of that going on everywhere. I've had my great deal of this in my life. So I can attest personally to the growth curve and how liberating it is to be able to learn how to be compassionate towards yourself, how great it feels to be able to accept your partner the way they are, love them for who they are. So the critical period for social bonding is it's just kind of a brief period of openness, which happens during childhood, then it happens during teenagehood in the context of bonding with your peers. And then the oxytocin levels go down, the flexibility of your, of your brain decreases, the ability to learn new things decreases, and we just kind of repeat ourselves, more or less. There's always some flexibility for learning, but uh, never to the same extent that during the critical periods. So neurobiologists have been, have been looking for ways to reopen in critical periods for therapeutic purposes for the longest, the longest time. And that quest has been very difficult. This is apparently what psychedelics are doing, what MDMA is doing. It allows to reopen that critical period. It reopens the critical period for a brief period of time. In addition to the reopening of the critical period, it has all these other elements of being accepting, the combination of all these like pro-social effects that combined with the reopening of the critical period really create ideal conditions as far as relationship therapy or trauma therapy goes. 
trauma is kind of a relationship with yourself and relationship therapy as in couples therapy or any relationship therapy, that's where MDMA will will have its most therapeutic benefits because it has this wonderful combination of this feeling good and feeling accepting and feeling open and present and listening and all of that combined with the reopening of the critical period and the flexibility of your brain to learn new things and then you learn. What do you learn? You learn a corrective experience of how to relate. And this is where the integration is so important. How do you learn this? So you open now. You open, your window is open, and there are risks with it because if you are with therapists that are not very good therapists, just like not very good parents, they can actually re-traumatize you. If you're doing MDMA in the context where you will connect with people that don't have really therapeutic intentions and want to use you or... You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of risks. Uh, so what what we want to do is create a truly corrective experience, uh, an experience that will actually give you an opportunity to taste, to sample, to get a feeling for how, what it is to connect it to yourself and others, to how to relate in a healthy way. That's why therapy is important. And then this critical period closes gradually. It closes. And the integration comes in, bringing those experiences to your everyday life. So how do you do that? You do it from the beginning to the end. The, at the beginning of therapy, there's the, the process of preparation. The screening is first, of course, just for safety. Is it for you or isn't it for you? This therapy is not for everybody. There's some risks involved, medical screening, all of that. Now, in preparation, to meet with your therapist, you, you need to feel safe. You need to be in a safe space. You need to feel safe and good with your therapist to just be open. You need to know that it is about you. You need to know it is about you. It is your time. It is about you. It's not about your therapist. It's not about the goals that your therapist have, has for you. It's about you and your own process, whatever that process is. During the preparation session, you establish a relationship with your therapist. You feel safe. You know it is about you and about your process. Orient yourself to therapy. Know what's going to happen to the extent that you can know what's going to happen. Um, develop a relationship with your therapist. And, uh, and then another big part of integration will be the preparation and the setting of intentions. So in your preparation sessions, you actually gather all the information from your life and try to really narrow your focus on those aspects of your life that are most bothersome. Imagine what would make your life great. What is it that you need in your life? Everybody's understanding is limited. Everybody's self-understanding is limited. So you can't know everything about what's going to happen during the therapy and where this process is going to take you. But to the extent that you do know, you're trying to just at least shed light on the regions of your life that are bothersome. My primary relationship with my wife is like this. And this is what bothers me about it. And this is what's about me that contributes to this. And this is what's about her that contributes to this. And this and that and that and that. And as much as you know, you discuss all of this, you prime your brain to start firing up in the areas that you want to work on. So you have like, okay, this is where I am. That's where I am right now. That's what I understand. I don't know what's, what's beyond the horizon of my understanding, but that's where I am right now. That's what I understand. Here's my starting point. And then when you go into the dosing session, it's a different story. You just let go. 
it's your time. Your therapist is not very active during the dosing session. Your therapist might help you, help you guide you with your experience. Skilled therapists will always guide you towards yourself, might guide you towards yourself, not only in the way of your thoughts, but also the body aspect, the physical aspect, the somatic aspect of your experience is extremely important. That's how you really truly connect with yourself. I never heard anybody talk about it, but your thoughts are aphysical. Your brain does not have sensory receptors. So your thoughts float in an asensory space. On the other hand, your body is loaded with sensory receptors and then you have all these external senses. That's your physical experience. Anyway, this is, this is a huge topic. Maybe I'll do another podcast on that. That would be a, a really good topic. But let's go back to, to the dosing session. It's really your time. You're really following your process. Your therapist is there to support you with your process. The idea there is lots of people talk about the concept of inner, inner wisdom and all of that. I think the wisdom is everywhere. It's not just inner, it's outer. You know, your therapists have wisdom, the world has wisdom, you have some wisdom, you know, all of that. But inner wisdom in a sense that it is your time, it is your experience, it is your process, and a therapist will guide you and help you a little bit, especially when you want. Sometimes you might just be quiet and in your own experience. You might have uh, eye shades on and listen to music. You don't have to. You can walk around, you can lie on the couch, you can sit, you can talk to the therapist. In the future, it will be maybe walking in the woods later on in the session because being connected with nature is another one of those things that is extremely therapeutic and healing. And then there's the question of how to integrate this into everyday life. That is really the big one. So you learn things. For example, you might have had an experience of absolute self-compassion. Will that last or will a month later, will you be back to being critical of yourself and, and attacking yourself and judging yourself for not measuring up to your own perfectionistic standards or something like that. So that's the whole thing. So then you do what we call integration sessions, integration sessions, which is, which is the sessions that go come after the dosing sessions. In my opinion, and I think that's, that's true for most therapists, the first integration session should happen right away the day after because you're still quite under the influence, you know, so let's say midday, the day after the dosing session, it's a good time to do, uh, to do the integration session. In the evening, you might be tired, so that might be, it might be too late. And then, you know, another integration session, probably second integration session, ideally would probably be good to pack very close after the dosing experience as well. But if you do it a week after, that's good enough, you know. And then uh, you do three or four integration sessions, and then you go back to your regular therapy. And during those integration sessions, you just essentially try to, again, fire up those neural networks. Outside of the integration sessions, you can use all kinds of ways of integrating as well, and you should. Diary, writing, talking to friends, whatever it is that you do actively to, to kind of solidify some of those to create stronger neural connections, stronger grooves, things that will last. So there's a lot there in how you do integration, and I'm not going to go into any of those details right now as a general idea. And then things go back to normal, and you, the way I think about MDMA-assisted therapy is that then you go back to normal. But the normal is never the same normal. You are in a slightly different space. 
And that slightly different space might actually be a radically different space, even though not much seems to be different at all. Again, let's, let's think about self-compassion. I ask this of my clients. Do you feel self-compassion? People stop often and they think, hmm, they say, hmm, I don't know. I don't think I do. See, that's a big deal. There is a huge difference between feeling like you're all right, you're okay. You have your life, you have your journey, that's fine. It's good. You made mistakes, yeah, you fucked up, you hurt people, yeah. Okay, just don't do it, try not to do it. Try to be the best version of yourself, but you don't have to beat yourself up. Be like you're a shitty person. So that new normal might be very, very different, even though it's, to everybody else it might seem like completely the same. Definitely MDMA-assisted therapy should affect the way you relate to others. You should notice a difference. You should have better relationships, closer relationships. So I haven't talked much about the dangers of MDMA-assisted therapy here. Maybe that will be for for other times, but you, you get the gist that if, you, if this window is reopened, then there is a lot of dangers. That's why, let's be careful about this. If you're a child again, it's very dangerous to be a child out there in the world, no? Let's think about that concept. Now, to be fair, I'm a psychotherapist. I've been a psychotherapist forever, and uh, that's where my heart is, or that's where my work is, and that's what I do, and that's why I, I'm a big proponent of MDMA-assisted therapy in the therapeutic medical context and all that. And I realize that therapeutic context uh, is a broad term. Psychedelics have been used in traditional healing practices forever. It has nothing to do with the medical westernized context. So what we're doing here now in psychotherapy, we're ritualizing. This is a modern version of ritualization of the use of these psychedelics. In those traditional context, psychedelics are being used in the rituals and for, for the cultures that, that have used those rituals, that's the way they did it and that's the way it worked for them and that's the, those healers developed those methods and you know, and I'm sure that we can learn quite a bit from those methods, but we also a different culture, a scientific modern culture with a lot of knowledge that traditional healers didn't have. So learn from the traditional healers, but in the end we are developing modern therapies based on our Western scientific understanding of how these substances work and how effective psychotherapy works. But what I'm saying is that these other contexts are legitimate. Traditional healing contexts, all other healing contexts, there's community healing contexts, there's group group work, there's, you know, underground therapists working there. I, this is not my area. I'm committed to this particular way, but that doesn't mean that I'm saying this is the only way of doing it. However, I am saying that you have to be very careful how you use these substances and you have to be very aware of the risks, the efforts to decriminalize and uh, maybe even legalize psychedelics that there definitely will be some risks. Like we have to acknowledge that and hopefully if, if that's done, if, I mean, decriminalization is a different issue. Uh, legalization is a different issue. When you legalize psychedelics, you better, the governments that do that, be, better be prepared to do a humongous educational campaign. So just to be clear, you know, I'm, I'm coming from this context and that's what I do. 
and that's what I'm trying to do well. But there are most likely other contexts that are very beneficial as well. All right, I think that will be it. Give me a shout if you have any questions. Email me at info at enhancedtherapy.ca. Winnipeg therapists that are interested in, in this work, get in touch with us. At some point, we're going to be doing some, some form of training, some form of preparation to do this work, because in 2024, MDMA-assisted therapy might be available medically.